God, um, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, and I just hope that Rob is able to get the rest that he needs over the next six weeks. And uh, like I said, this year has been hard. So I just pray that uh, today we're able to find some peace and kind of rest in just that this is difficult together. Um, and may we leave here today different than we came. Uh, amen. Um, so I'm going to be honest. This is awkward. Uh, this is take number six now. We've had to uh, change cameras, change batteries, and um, also just kind of figuring out how the heck to talk to a camera and not a room full of people. I don't know how Rob does this every week. Uh, I definitely don't know how he does it live because uh, this is super awkward. Anyways, uh, that has nothing to do with anything. I just needed to let you know that I feel uncomfortable. So that you, if you notice that I feel uncomfortable, that's why. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, this year's been hard for everyone. And you're living it, so you don't necessarily need a recap. But in case you live on a rock or something and you don't know about the year 2020, there's a, pande a pandemic that we're in the midst of. Um, the world basically shut down. Several months ago, uh, there's racial divide in our country. People are protesting. People are being murdered uh, simply for fighting for their rights and being arrested for fighting for their rights. Uh, there's political unrest. We're coming up on an election. People are just turning on each other based on political affiliation and just kind of almost some days feels like we're on the verge of civil war. <laughs> so welcome to 2020. Uh, like I said, you don't need all the details on this year, but personally for our family, uh, we all had COVID in May. The Brian and the kids were super mild. Brian was sick for about a week. The kids had some gastrointestinal symptoms for a couple days, but mine was pretty severe. Um, I'm actually still not fully recovered. Uh, I still have trouble breathing. A lot of times have to rely on an inhaler, which I haven't had to do since I was like four. Uh, so it's just a new way of life kind of adjusting to. Uh, some other things that have been going on. Brian had to take three months off work while I was sick to help take care of the kids, which was great. And we're thankful that he was able to do that and still stay employed and have health insurance and a paycheck and all of the things that you need to survive. But it was just a transition uh, for our family. That was really hard. And this year has just been basically nothing but transitions. So Brian was working at the office and then he was working at home and then he wasn't working at all. And then he got a new job and now he's back at the office and it's just feels like everything has been kind of a whirlwind. Um, and just the collective trauma that we're all experiencing in the midst of this has just been hard. Um, just bringing out a lot of mental health stuff in a lot of people, myself included. Uh, I will actually say that Rob asked me to do this uh, several months ago, just send him a video of a sermon uh, that he could post. And I said yes, but I have put off doing it because um, uh, all of this trauma is just, it's making me question. It's making me doubt 
everything, um, everything that I believe in, everything that I was taught. And some days when I look at the things going on in the world, it's hard to believe that there is a God that cares, that is involved. Um, why would this stuff be happening if there was? Um, and it's really hard to get in front of people, whether it be in front of a camera or not, and talk about God and faith when your faith feels really rocky. Um, but that being said, I know that I'm not alone in that. And so I'm here doing it anyways. And we're going to talk kind of about that. Uh, the doubt is not new, obviously. People have doubted for centuries. People in the Bible even doubted. There's the famous Doubting Thomas. I think probably everyone has at least heard reference to. That story is found in John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25 is what we're looking at specifically today. Um, there's kind of but one of the 12 Thomas wasn't with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of, his, of the nails on his hand, put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will never believe. So this is after Jesus has been crucified. And um, the other disciples have since met the resurrected Jesus, but Thomas has not. And he is saying like, I, he died. I don't believe in him anymore. He isn't who he said he was. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like if the God that I grew up in was a certain way, it doesn't, he doesn't feel that way anymore. And I don't know if he's here. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if I can believe any of that, if I can stand on any of that anymore. And <laughs> some other another story um, kind of around this or around this exact same time period that isn't talked about is Holy Saturday so it's that Saturday in between Christ's death on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday the disciples did not know that Jesus was going to die until it was happening um, they thought I think up until the very end that he was just going to like gain strength and defeat the Romans and take over the world or something. I'm not entirely sure. Obviously I wasn't there, but they didn't know that that was how it was going to end. And I think there was a lot of, probably all of them that were wondering like, did, did we fall for like a hoax? Did we fall for some sort of scheme? What, what is happening? Like this guy that was supposed to come in and be the king of the world and save us all. And now he's dead. Where do we go from here? What do we do with this information? Um, and that Holy Saturday is kind of the reference used in a lot of different traditions. And that's the reference we're going to be using today. Just kind of make it a little easier. Um, but I think it was this Holy Saturday that fueled Thomas into disbelief. This, I need to touch him and feel him to know that you're not lying to me, to, to know the truth. And so Holy Saturday isn't something that I grew up evangelical and that was not something that was talked about. It was pretty much, we only talked about Easter, the rest of it, we'll just pretend like it didn't happen because it's 
kind of gruesome and <laughs> we don't really care to go into that. Um, but to talk about a couple of the other traditions that do acknowledge Holy Saturday, there's the Catholic Church. Um, they celebrate by stripping the altar. They take down everything. There's nothing left on the altar. They don't uh, hold mass on the Saturday of Holy Saturday. It's once a year, Saturday before Easter. Uh, there's limited sacraments, and they fast through uh, sun. I think it's sunrise to sunset. Uh, I'm not entirely sure when it starts, but it ends at sunset. And then the Anglican and the Lutheran and the Methodist Church all kind of celebrate similarly to the Catholics, but their altar, rather than being stripped, is uh, draped in black. as kind of reference to mourning and death. Uh, and again, the celebration ends at nightfall, and that's officially when Easter starts, and we begin the celebration of resurrection. So the first Holy Saturday, uh, the day after Jesus was crucified, <coughs> excuse me, uh, was a Sabbath day. So the disciples and Mary and the women that followed Jesus were not allowed to be with Jesus or dress his body for burial. They basically had to acknowledge that he was dead and then pause. So there is this whole day where they are not allowed to do anything. They're not allowed to really start the mourning process because the, the world is on pause. Um, and that's what this year, this entire year feels like. We're in between. Something died, the old way that we did things, the old normal is gone. And now we're in this pause where we, ha we don't have a new normal, but what do we do with the time being? Like, <laughs> where do we go? How do we begin the mourning process for all the lives that have been lost? How do we grieve? what needs to change when it hasn't changed um where are we where do we go from here basically um that's kind of where we are and that's where the disciples were all of those years ago um, collectively together just mourning alone and jesus was dead <laughs> their entire way of life was gone and uh, every year at Easter and really just all year this year, I think I've just been thinking about this and I've never really heard anybody talk about it because it's hard to talk about. It's hard to acknowledge that there is grief and that there is this stillness that we have to wait in, in the process um, that we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know, like the disciples didn't know that Jesus was gonna come alive again. <laughs> uh, we're kind of right there in that. We don't know what's next. I, I sometimes wonder, what was it like that very first Holy Saturday? Did the world stay dark? Like did the sun just not come out? Did all of the disciples and the women that followed Jesus, did they hide? Did they? cry in the streets like what happened what were they doing I think if it was me I would probably hide um in my bed like I really want to most days 
and just stay cuddled up in a warm blanket with lots of Netflix and pretend like the world's not falling apart and none of this is happening. Um, we're being honest. Uh, the Apostles' Creed is a, t a biblical a text of the Catholics or other liturgical uh, churches traditions use. Uh, again, it's not used in e the evangelical tradition that I grew up in, so I don't know a whole lot about it, but it references Jesus's experience of Holy Saturday and talks about um, Jesus descended into death or into hell in some translations. And like I said, I don't have any credentials to like refute this or talk about it a whole lot, but I think the imagery that it provides is beneficial to us because Jesus was in this pause, this kind of transition phase, just like the disciples were. He was, if you want to look at the transition that says he descended to hell, he was in this place of darkness and he was, uh, the creed goes on to say that he was fighting. He was defeating the devil, um, is, I think one of the translations is kind of the approach that it takes, but just kind of fighting the darkness, fighting off the bad that is around the world. And he was doing his part before he came back, before he was resurrected and to bring peace. Um, and whether Jesus was actually in hell or not, I think the disciples were. Um, I think it feels like right now we are. And I can only imagine what was on their minds. Um, they were actually suffering. The person that they loved the most in the world, the person that they trusted with everything that they gave up their lives for was just gone. So imagine with me for just a second, let's kind of talk about this. Um, through John chapter 20, it talks about a few different things, a few different perspectives. So um, verse one, it says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Uh, she couldn't sleep. I know there's a lot of nights that I feel restless, like I can't sleep, uh, especially lately. And I just kind of picture her tossing and turning and she can't sleep and she's just waiting for Sabbath to be over so that she can go and do the thing that she really wants to do and is be with the person that she loves and mourn his death and prepare his body for burial and just start the grieving process. Uh, could you imagine just laying there silently waiting for the day to be over? Uh, or in verse two, it says, where'd it go? So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, to the one Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So this is before they know that he's been resurrected. She goes to the tomb and she just sees that his body is gone. Uh, and the way that I read this is she's panicked. She's running and she's like, oh my gosh, there he's gone. What have they done with him? I don't know where he is. The only thing that I have left of him is gone. And I need, I need his body and it's just gone. Um, Luke says in this uh, same story that they were perplexed, uh, which is an adjective meaning baffled, puzzled. I think that's a pretty good description of how everybody felt like what is going on what uh, just very perplexed or uh, 
down in verse 11. But Mary stood outside facing the tomb and crying. She was crying. She stooped to look into the tomb. She, so she sat in front of this empty tomb where the person she loved the most was supposed to be, knowing that he was gone. And the only thing she could do was cry. The only thing she could do was be still. I think Holy Saturday is a day of silence and stillness, waiting, wondering, remembering. And maybe faith or belief right now on this Holy Saturday of a year, <laughs> maybe that's what it looks like. It's just waiting, sitting together, mourning, crying. There really isn't much to do except be present to the reality of what is. And maybe that's really all our faith needs right now. Maybe that's all our faith can be, or at least mine can be right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> this year just feels a lot like that in between. Um, like God is nowhere to be found. Um, that the tomb is empty and we don't know where he went. Uh, we don't know yet that he's risen. We're just stuck. We're mourning. Alone. Um, so I would say that for me, my faith for the last several months has gone just from searching for a God who felt lost to a God who feels dead. And I think I, at least it feels like I put all of my eggs into the Jesus basket and now I'm sitting here with an empty basket and no hope. But I can't stop thinking about this story. And every time I think about this story, I find a little, a little shred of light, a little, oh, a little shred of hope. Like I'm restlessly awaiting for this year that feels desperately long to be over. Just like Mary, who got up in the middle of the night as soon as Sabbath was over to run and do the thing that she really wanted to do, to move on to the next thing, to start the morning process. So maybe, just maybe, this year is that Holy Saturday, and there is a Sunday coming, a Sunday of resurrection, and this is going to be over, and there is going to be something new and something beautiful that comes out of it. That can be our hope. Um, I have to cling to that hope because right now it feels like the only thing that I have left. But for now, I think we need to rest and sit in Holy Saturday and acknowledge that it's hard and we can sit in the pain and the collective trauma together. It's the only way we're gonna make it through, whether we're actually together, <laughs> kind of together from the distance, <laughs> social distance. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll be done. Ah, God, thank you for <clears throat> letting us doubt, letting us question, and come to you with that. Um, we don't have a lot of hope right now. And I hope that today we're able to find that hope and we're able to sit in the very small amount of hope that that brings us and just know that Easter's coming. Uh, in your name, amen.